Street Crypto, broadcasting live from Leander, Texas at 6.07 in the morning. Um, so it's a little later before I have to go to work. Um, so I'm going to have to be quick about this one because um, the time it takes to upload and, and uh, mix the audio for the audio version and stuff like that. I try to get it all done real quick. Um, but uh, yeah, this is my... Um, live video stream by my video blog this is where i dump out all of my information of crypto stuff that i've learned from the day before and whatnot uh, yesterday i had an interview with proof of beans and we talked uh, more conceptually about um, <clears throat> technical analysis and improv and you know, improv artistry like in the actual theater and uh, and crypto and a lot of the intersection between that and the similar types of concepts. And it was cool. It was a cool conversation. Uh, today, I'm going to focus a little more on a, a more project-based type of topic. I want to talk about a project called Kudos. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is uh, none of this is financial advice. This is just all just me just kind of like learning as I go. And that's the whole point of this show is to just kind of document things that I'm learning. So, Things that I say may not be correct. Um, it may not represent your project well, and that's why I'm not sponsored by anybody. So, you know, I'm not doing this for money, and I'm not doing this to try to shill and push you products. I'm doing this to to just kind of explore the space and see what's up with a lot of this stuff. And uh, I started out just kind of just flipping on a camera and a mic and just learning about crypto in general. You know, what is the proof of stake, proof of work, you know, consensus network and all that. And I've kind of moved into you know just about everything i've learned a lot in this space joined a few DAOs, met a bunch of people um yeah it's been a really interesting ride for sure um so uh let's see this is episode number 430 so yeah i've been doing it a minute it's saint patrick's day march 17th um i don't know who decided that they were gonna make this holiday about kids I mean, I don't drink anymore, but this adult, this, this holiday is about adults getting to day drink and not feel bad about it. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, you know, it's somebody had decided that they were going to, the schools, I think decided that they were going to tell kids that their parents need to make el, uh, not el, leprechaun traps all around the house and with like uh, fairy dust and sparkles and all this stuff. I don't know who thought that up. You know, at first it was Elf on the Shelf. I'm like, eh, okay, one more thing to do on Christmas. Then now it's this leprechaun trap thing. What's going on with that, man? You know, like I said, it's not like I'm going to be going out and going to the bars today. But, you know, <laughs> this holiday was all for adults, man. Um, I mean, I guess it was a drinking holiday and they're trying to make something else out of it that's nice. I mean, I don't even honestly know what the original holiday was about. I think, what did it have something to do with St. Patrick's getting 
rid of the the rats on the island of Ireland and uh, therefore eliminating the plague? I'm maybe. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have to look into the history of that. But um, anyway. Yeah, so anyway, and then yesterday I totally played hooky from work. Um, I went to the Austin Rodeo with my family, and it was worth it. You know, sometimes I was all stressed out, and my wife, she was on edge, and, and the kids were misbehaving because they were cooped in the house. And I was like, you know what? Sometimes you just got to just, like, hang it up, do something with your family. I got a bunch of cool pictures, had some really great experiences with my kids, and, uh, you know, I'll never be able to trade that in. And one day, extra day of work does not matter. Things are still getting done. And, um, yeah, so um, keep that in mind. You know, no matter how what happens in this crypto market, you know, your family is still the most important thing that you can have. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of ups and downs and emotions and drama going on in the crypto world. Sometimes you just need to release yourself from that. And so take a walk um, if things get too stressful. Um, go go be with people that you love and that don't care about crypto. That's another thing, too, about my job that I do appreciate. Um, I work in the manufacturing industry, and nobody there gives a damn about crypto. Uh, they can barely operate their computers in a lot of ways. <laughs> a lot of the people there can't. You know, so yeah, it's just like... It's it's kind of this reality check of you know how early you are in this space and the fact that a lot of these issues like uh, you know proof of stake and proof of work are at the top of your mind where a lot of people have no inkling of an idea of even what it is at this point you know so yeah I mean I'm still sometimes at work explaining to people the difference between searching through something through a Google search bar versus the actual www google.com address bar at the top so i mean it gives you an idea you know um it's right now it's all about education we need to help people learn and teach them anyway uh about all this stuff and because like i said a couple episodes back you know you're jumping from lily pad to lily pad to learn how to avoid the future slavery of the surveillance state Um, that's why i'm learning about web3 and crypto so i can be a little bit ahead of the game all right so uh, let's go over here to the CoinGecko um, market cap rankings chart. Some people use Coin Market Cap, some people use Coin Codex, Coin Paprika, some people use the paid versions like to- Token Metrics and stuff like that. I just use Coin Gecko just because I like the logo. Um, I like little geckos. Um, so, all right. So let's see here. Uh, you know, we, maybe I should refresh this. Bitcoin's at forty thousand. Are, are we? Are we gonna? We're going to stay here this time. Are we going to? I think so. Um, a lot of the Bitcoin has been flying off exchanges, um, and that means people are not selling. Um, people in exchanges, when people have Bitcoin on exchanges, it means that they are getting ready to sell, and people are not selling right at this point. Um, and I think a lot of what all this market shakedown has done to it's liquidated a lot of people who had um, all their their. Uh, crypto the retail traders who had crypto on on exchanges and leveraged out and were borrowing against it in order to do it it's just it's shaking out a lot of the the scumbags in the market <laughs> i mean i hate to say that but you know it, it, yeah so um anyway so bitcoin's at 2776 and 77 cents um let's see so we have tether and binance and usd all three stable coins in the top three 
uh, in the top five. So I haven't really seen that before. Like, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. BNB is not a stable coin. That's the centralized Binance. I was confusing that with Binance US dollar down here. So no, okay, so this is about right. Um, USDC, XRP, 78 cents. Terra, 89 cents. Solana, $87. Cardano, 84 cents. Uh, Polkadot, Let's see, 18.93. Avalanche up 10% to 77.83. Avalanche is one of those you know, volatile currencies, another layer one um, to try to uh, jump in and substitute where Ethereum lacks, like scalability and speed. Um, let's see, Dogecoin, 11 cents. Uh, Shiba Inu, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rapid Coin Kronos, um, okay, 40 cents. And the Cosmos Hub, there's been a lot of interesting things coming out using the Cosmos um, blockchain, the Tendermint software development kit. And the Cosmos, what it does, it allows you to build your own blockchain based on the Cosmos network using the Tendermint uh, development network. I believe Terra is built on that. Uh, crypto, the Kronos chain for, from Crypto.com is built on it. Um, there are a lot of projects built using the Cosmos um, a Tendermint SDK. I'm not sure if Near is or not. No, I think Near is its own. Um, but the, my point is, is today we're going to talk about a blockchain called Kudos, and Kudos is built using the Tendermint software development kit based on Cosmos. And uh, I, I, this one caught my eye at the Dow Planet conference where I was doing all that video production and live streaming at. And um, I don't know. I mean, it's like another layer one. And then also Celestia is coming out with another layer one. I thought layer ones were over and I thought layer twos were going to be in vogue. Um, and, uh, you know, everybody's just like, it's, it's, it's kind of like browser wars. Do we really, and back in the 90s, do we really need another browser? You know, do we really need another layer one? And I've said previously in a lot of my videos, you know, layer ones, um, yeah, that's, Every all roads point to Ethereum, yada yada. You know, do we, do we really need all these other layer ones? All the other blockchains, Ethereum is going to be the winner. There is no Ethereum killer. You know, Cardano's tried, Polkadot's tried, um, um, yeah, Phantom's tried, Avalanche has tried, you know, Harmony's trying. You know, you have all these people, these blockchains that are trying to come in and supplant Ethereum, but it's not going to happen because all these blockchains end up uh, in the long run pointing to Ethereum or bridging to Ethereum or whatnot. Um, however, this Cosmos um, Wasm, you know, uh, virtual machine type of thing that's coming into place, I think is some really good competition. And some of these blockchains being built off of it are using the inter-blockchain communication protocol, the IBC protocol, uh, and to be able to be interoperable with Ethereum. So you can use Ethereum and, and you can use Cosmos and Ethereum and, you know, any built blockchain built on, on Cosmos and be completely interoperable with Ethereum. Um, so I don't know. All this is kind of just like molding together in some kind of blob. Well, kudos is another layer one. Um, and I know I mentioned Celestia and the, the whole idea of monolithic versus modular blockchains. And that's for another day. Um, but they're basically um, compartmentalizing out the the functions because blockchains don't just do one function they do data availability they do um, uh, execution they do a lot of different things uh, 
data storage and all those now that previously they were all taken care of by one blockchain and it took longer for transactions to process it's just it's just a lot of stuff to do and uh, now they're breaking all those apart and they did the same thing in the computer chip industry um they they used to because computer central processing units and computers take care of a lot of different types of tasks and uh, they were coming up to the point where um, they could only add more silicone to the computers and the transistors to the computer chips. Not that I know a whole lot about computer chips, but um, they were coming to this point where they just really couldn't add anything more to make it faster. Instead, uh, I believe it was AMD, <clears throat> broke apart the computer chips into one little tiny central uh, router within it and then maybe say like four or five other little chips around it that take care of different functions of the CPU. Um, so they were able to scale up that way. So now blockchains are kind of following that similar model by breaking apart some of the different functions that blockchains do. Um, and uh, and are are putting them on different layers and um that so that's the difference between a monolithic blockchain which the blockchain that does all those functions and tasks on one blockchain versus a mono a modular blockchain so a lot of these blockchains are now coming out as modular blockchains and that's kind of the next iteration of layer one blockchains that are claiming to to want to maybe not really supplant ethereum but work with ethereum and so kudos here um is doing something uh, different. They're coming from a, a cloud storage type of point of view. And um, uh, let's see, their token is up 1.7%. Um, let's see here. So it's pretty cheap to get at two cents right now. But uh, let's see here. Decentralized future of blockchain gaming and metaverses. Okay, so let's let's go back to the basics here. Uh, why decentralized compute is Web 3's next frontier? Okay, so let me read a little bit of this article. Can we truly call it a decentralized web if it runs on hyper-centralized infrastructure? The Web, train, web 3 train took some battering last week after Moxie Marlin Spike's expose on the shoddy security uh, infrastructure around NFTs went viral. And I talked about this earlier this week and my, in my interview with uh, my neighbor ben the, the nft whale um he was saying that nft projects like board ape yacht club and stuff like that um, a lot of times the actual jpeg data is not stored on the blockchain itself it's just the hash that represents that that is stored on the blockchain and the actual JPEG data is stored on places like Amazon web servers and stuff like that on centralized servers. So it kind of defeats the point of centralization. And that is a huge uh, problem um, for, for decentralization and decentralization should be of top concern to everybody uh, in the blockchain world. Um, so, uh, that that piece that Marlon Moxie Marlin Spike wrote about the shoddy infrastructure about NFTs and then what I just talked about that piece prompted heated debates around digital ownership and security. This including this less convincing, less than convincing retort from Vitalik Buterin, which have essentially amounted to we don't quite have enough money yet. <laughs> With a continuing fallout from that conversation, it's evident that moving beyond hype and speculation, the buzzwords, metaverse, NFT, and and uh, uh, 
the hype and speculation requires rethinking current infrastructure models in the blockchain industry. To provide some context, let's briefly discuss previous web iterations and why this represents a critical challenge for the future of Web3. Um, yeah, so Web1, otherwise known as the World Wide Web, uh, was envisioned as the information ecosystem where everyone was a creator of con and consumer of content and infrastructure. Basically, just like, you know, uh, pets.com, you know, uh, skateboards.com, and it was just somebody, you know, putting their business up there and then maybe some photos of their business and some information. So it was a server showing you information, and that's it. You did not get to interact with that information. Everybody owned servers and interacted with other servers via internet protocol this proved both unsustainable and redundant in the long run due to the cost of hosting and maintaining hardware uh, so yeah you, basically if you wanted to create in that web one network uh, infrastructure space you had to run your own damn server so corporations emerged dedicated to, to deploying infrastructure um, enabled unprecedented scaling so then you have these big server farms pop up and these companies amazon google microsoft and the early adopters who built applications on central infrastructures facebook twitters achieved phenomenal success um, because they were providing the server space and the data farms and all that stuff to be able to do that uh, despite these successes centralizing infrastructure storage and compute capacities has resulted in many issues ranging from privacy concerns single point of failure threats to to environmental devastation and monopolistic corporate activities and much much more uh, against this backdrop web3 often known as the decentralized web has emerged with the goal of equally and sustainably dispersing the internet's resources and profits However, some old and new difficulties have surfaced in this evolving environment, which we will discuss. Um, okay. So Web3's ironic problem. Web3 is supposed to be all about decentralization, right? The ironic problem is centralization. And so as I talked about with this NFT example, like, you know, these really super expensive NFTs and, this, you know, this tokenized property and all this stuff, just the hash of it is is up on the blockchain and the actual information in these smart contracts and in in the jpeg information or video information or whatever type of information that that hash is supposed to point it represent um, is stored on these centralized servers so it, you're not really decentralized if you're just collecting nfts like a lot of these nfts up on OpenSea that you see that you can buy that are really expensive the actual JPEG information and a lot of that stuff is not on the blockchain. Just a little tiny hash pointing to it. And so if that um, server hosting the the uh, the JPEG and all that stuff goes down, you don't have access to your NFTs. Okay, so it turns out that while we were obsessed with proving digital ownership of NFTs, we somehow missed how to prevent their disappearance due to a mere broken link. If that link breaks, you don't have access to it. So blockchains store transaction information and protect them from tampering. But larger data types like bored apes and yawning cats are typically stored off-chain with an only with only an on-chain -link, on link to the data. Just a link. Subsequent investigations have revealed that off-chain storage often relies on centralized cloud services that provide infrastructure support for NFT metadata. More disturbingly, perhaps, most Web3 application front-ends continue to rely on Amazon Web Services, Azure, and Google for their cloud support. So who owns the asset? The issue of building decentralized apps, dApps, on centralized infrastructure inevitably raises near-philosophical questions on the nature of ownership as digital assets continue 
continue to be exposed to off-chain security architectures. Indeed, in many ways, this reliance has imported Web2's privacy and single point of failure threats into Web3. For example, one massive accident to an Amazon Web Service data center could potentially lead to many crypto holders being unable to access their assets, and such incidents are hardly far-fetched. We catalogued the most damaging incidents last year due to cloud centralization, and there's a whole link to it. I'll link this article in, in the in the uh, the uh, uh, whatever the video description. So it's a no-brainer that decentralized applications should run on decentralized infrastructure. I mean, that's what Web3 is supposed to be about, right? So besides the goal of limiting corporate and political control of data and re reducing environmental waste caused by the excess of building a hardware, uh, yeah, I mean, how much... Uh, computer trash do you have like laying around your house what do you do with those old yeah so perhaps the most compelling argument for decentralized com computation and storage is that we can redistribute the profits associated with hosting and deploying infrastructure this is web 3's next major frontier imagine a future where amazon and google's multi-billion dollars could cloud so imagine a future where amazon and google's multi-billion dollar cloud infrastructure is distributed among Millions of people across the globe who lend spare hardware earn for the service, earn for the service, and safeguard the environment simultaneously. Projects like Arcudo Compute identified this potential from the outset, um, and I believe that they are just about, if they have not already gone mainnet, I think they're just about to go mainnet, like here this week. Um, so, uh, or maybe they just did. I don't know, but uh, I'll have to look into that. But I mean, this is uh, what. The libertarian in me sees the word re redistribution, and I immediately think like socialism or communism. But uh, you know, they're not asking and taxing the people on this. Th this is um, trying to use technology to to supplant the uh, the large multi billion dollar um, you know, Amazons and Googles that are dominating the space and capitalizing off of your private data um, and redistributing all those hoarded billions of dollars that could be used to um, help you know the economy and help people in society and all that stuff that's just being hoarded. Um, hey, what's up? Ah, uh, ah. Uh, he spells his name or she four A's and three A's. So. Uh, interesting info. Anyway, so yeah, that's that article on Kudos. So they're basically coming from a cloud infrastructure type of thing. And they describe, they, they say that the blockchain world <laughs> is like cities, you know, and every city has their own unique culture, unique characteristics, their unique contributions to the world. Um, you know, New York City is very different from LA. And I've heard comparisons of Ethereum being New York built up you know, using older infrastructure and then you know, Solana being LA being built out and for speed and stuff like that, you know, and then you have Avalanche, which is Chicago. It was on Bankless uh, HQ uh, on a podcast. I can't remember who was, who was, wrote an article about that, but it was an interesting article, you know, and, but the people at Dow Planet described Kudos as kind of like uh, another blockchain city. And different blockchains solve different problems. They come at this whole Web3 uh, uh, paradigm shift with some kind of different need being met. And the need that they're trying to meet is cloud computing because they all have a cloud computing background. So they're saying your decentralized cloud computing network. Kudos unites cloud and blockchain. We use spare computing to create a decentralized, sustainable, and connected world. Um, so, yeah, another layer one, but a specialized layer one. 
so let's take another quick look at another uh, article here. Uh, the, and they, they also want to focus on the metaverse um, because metaverse and play to earn gaming is going to take a lot of computing and a lot of cloud space, you know, and what happens whenever, and I also pointed out Infura as well, you know, running MetaMask, you know, what happens whenever there's censorship that needs to happen, or, you know, if the government or some, you know, centralized entity really wants to shut down blockchain, they kind of can, all they got to do is shut down Amazon web services and the cloud network that hosts a lot of these crypto assets um, and exchanges and all that other stuff so if you can use decentralized cloud networks you can get around all that so let's see here blockchain-based gaming has seen meteoric growth over the past year and the uptrend continues often associated with play to earn and gamefi uh, blockchain-based games have gained popularity owing to their ability to let their users monetize their time and effort spent on these platforms so yeah um you know whenever you're sitting there paying a dollar 99 in gold to continue on to the next level in your game you're basically throwing that away but not if you're doing blockchain play to earn gaming uh you can add to your uh basically assets that you're building up by playing the game and then you can sell when you're done with the game all your items or your gold or whatever and you can liquidate it down to ethereum or whatever currency and uh, you can go move on to another game with a bag full of profits you may have made on one game or at least just um, sold off the, all the money that you've spent trying to uh, finish the game. Uh, so what began as a way to earn income in developing countries during the COVID-19 pandemic continued to attract mass adoption in 2021, according to Blockchain Game Report Q3 2021. The blockchain industry registered 1.4 million daily Unique active wallets, UAWs, on average with 49% of those interacting with blockchain-based games. During the same period, in-game NFT collectibles generated $2.32 billion in sales, representing 22% of the total NFT trading volume industry-wide. Now, I'm starting to play uh, play to earn games as well. I'm playing DeFi Kingdoms. I'm going to play Freaks and Guilds. Um, so... Uh, play to earn games are a crucial enabler of this game of this boom blockchain games have paved the path for a decentralized gaming economy by facilitating in-game asset ownership via nfts and native tokens tradable in digital asset marketplaces blockchain provides the backbone of the metaverse with interoperable nft assets that can migrate in different metaverses um, what sets blockchain, blockchain games apart from the existing ones is the ability to own your in-game assets truly. These assets don't remain on the game market's centralized servers, and the player is free to resell them on the third-party mar marketplaces or carry them into other compatible games. So say... Um, you know, say one game doesn't upgrade, you know, like Street Fighter, right? And then you, you, you're able to add, like my, one of my favorite players in Street Fighter was Blanca. And I know I'm old, but I mean, um, this is what I'm referring to. Now, imagine if you could give Blanca like special zapper characteristics or some kind of special, give him a shirt for God's sakes, you know, that, that character never wears a shirt. And, uh, you, Street Fighter one went on to Street Fighter version two. And then when Street Fighter version two came came out you had to just like basically start over again what if you could take his damn shirt and bring it to street fighter 2 with you and his special extra hyper-powered zapper characteristic you know or what if you wanted to sell that shirt to somebody who who wanted to buy a damn shirt for blanca you know so yeah um this is kind of the the, the idea of it and i know i'm old and i'm referring to like street fighter but i mean it's what i know um okay so let's see here um 
so uh, uh, here is saying is anything in the cloud truly decentralized? Well, that's what that's what Kudos is working on. Uh, so they're saying our decentralized cloud computing network, Kudos, is equipped with the infrastructure needed for building metaverses and play-to-earn ecosystems. As we embrace the open decentralized future of metaverses and gaming economies, it is highly pertinent that a decentralized compute platform forms the underpinning foundation. Um, so yeah, they are trying to decentralize that cloud computing network. And basically, I mean, it sounds to me a little bit like, um, you know, Filecoin is using decentralized storage, um, as far as being able to, um, pay people to, to use the extra storage on their computer, as long as they, uh, run the node on their computer. Sounds like kudos is basically letting people earn the kudos token by um, allowing their computers to be connected to the decentralized web and for people to be able to use the extra computing space. And they're not talking about like, maybe they're talking about me and your little computers, but they're mainly talking because there's various levels of service providers and cloud computing. There's the huge guys like Amazon and all that stuff. Uh, but then there's like a lot of smaller ones as well. And I think they're talking more about that middle layer. And uh, yeah, so um, the, the the middle layer can sit there and um, offer their services in a decentralized manner um, to be able to provide some of this cloud computing. Uh, so let's see here. Um, there's another article and I still don't totally understand this and, I, and I'm working through it as I'm here, you know, talking about this and this is why I do this show. So here's another one that's talking about the differences because first of all, you have to get people to understand the differences between web 1.0, 2.0 and 3.0 to understand the problem. Um, so amid the, the hype of non-fungible tokens and continued adoption of smart contract platforms like Ethereum and Solana, the term web 3.0 has come into vogue. So, but unlike most buzzwords and trendy nomenclature, the term might be poorly understood. Uh, to date, Web 3.0 has been largely associated with the metaverse and um, another term in vogue. So all these buzzwords flying around, but these heavily digited, branded digital products are really a small part of what Web 3.0 is and can be. And some argue that they are a poor way to gain under, a real understanding of Web 3.0. So where to start? To understand this latest iteration, it's, it's important to understand Web 1.0 and 2.0. The former is the name given to the birth of the internet, the World Wide Web. When the internet was created, it was primarily a peer-to-peer -peer endeavor. People were both creators and consumers of content and technology. The back-end support that supported it relied on enthusiasts and everyday individuals to run servers. This quickly became unsustainable. The cost of running servers that could support the rapidly, rapidly growing internet soon became impossible at the individual level. Um, so I remember setting up a little Microsoft, you know, office server, you know, and, uh, you know, you can't really, I mean, you can do that, I guess, but to get like the real performance you need at the scale, if you're going to scale your business, you have to use cloud servers now. So corporations stepped in and built dedicated infrastructure, spending billions to create the dominant version of the internet today, web 2.0. This iteration is built on centralized and corporate model companies like Amazon, Microsoft, Google, um, run server farms across the world. And these farms provide the backbone of the modern internet. If you're reading this, there's a near certain chance that you're interacting with a server belonging to one of these three companies. So it sounds pretty monopolistic, doesn't it? Um, oh, what the heck happened to this website? It just kind of like re... Ah, hold on. All right. <clears throat> um, 
Okay, this model has some major advantages over Web 1.0 functionality, but some say it's turned out to be a nearly Faustian bargain. The internet is a tool of immense power, one of the most significant in human history, and is controlled by just a small handful of companies, and these companies collect dizzying amounts of personal data from the customers and sell it to the highest bidder. If you are the pro if the product is free, you are the product. So on top of the moral quandaries surrounding Web 2.0, its centralized model means it is susceptible to single points of failure. At issue is a specific server farm or in a company's code could bring down large swaths of the internet. And we've seen that happen. Um, Web 3.0 is designed, was it the solar flare um, uh, hack and stuff like that? And like just a bunch of other stuff has happened. Web 3.0 is designed to address these issues founded on the principles of decentralization and democratization at the core of cryptocurrency. Web 3.0 uses the blockchain to hope to set the internet free. In this model, centralized server farms are not needed. The information is transacted and secured in an immutable public ledger. And here, the internet is arguably returned to the spirit of its early days with the technical abilities of the modern internet. However, at the moment, much of Web 3.0 must still interact with Web 2.0. Many front ends of blockchain-based applications, those little dApps where you connect your MetaMask wallet, um, still use services like Amazon Web Services, but this may change and numerous companies are looking into ways to innovate this. Kudo Ventures is one example that has created Kudos to address this. The service, which recently successfully launched its mainnet, so it did launch, is centralized, is decentralized cloud, is a decentralized cloud computing platform. Through the power of blockchain, the computing needs of applications can be performed by a decentralized network that is owned by individuals and is not susceptible to a single point of failure. With this and platforms like it, Web 3.0 may be able to begin to deliver on its promise. So that's that's pretty promising to me, you know. Um, I didn't realize this whole issue with the centralized servers, and I mean, I was walking around just spouting off how Web three is so amazing. You know, it's all decentralized. It's for the people, whatever. And then you know, here I am sitting there. You know, here here's you know Amazon Web Services sitting here, just kind of just like laughing at me in the background. Um, you know, and and people like me too that are just very you know pie pie in the pie in the sky pie-eyed or doe-eyed or whatever you want to say, you know, very naively saying, you know, spouting all these ideals and, you know, without necessarily really understanding, um, you know, the reality behind a lot of these ideals. And, you know, you see a lot of this too in environmentalism as well. There are a lot of ideals, but what is the actual reality uh, that is going on behind a lot of these ideals, you know, and a lot of things, ideology and, uh, uh, um, what is it too? Uh, identity politics, you know, there's the ideals are great, but the reality behind implementing them a lot of times is not so great. So that it's always healthy to take a good, healthy look at the, the, uh, um, yeah, the things from the large scale of things and uh, kind of lift up underneath the bed, you know, underneath the cover and look at what's going on. So what is cloud kudo compute? We're, we're a global decentralized cloud computing platform building a vast range of computing and network services designed to deliver the next generation of D-Web and Edge applications. Uh, Kudo Compute allows organizations and developers like you to deploy, run, and scale based on demand and growth. Technologies designed to address the latest demands of the decentralized internet, Web 3.0, growth at the edge, and low latency access like 5G-enabled devices are at the, our core. Therefore, our platform provides the foundation on which to build the next generation. Moreover, as a carbon-neutral network, we deliver computing that is sustain sustainable and kind to the environment. 
Um, so, um, so our decentralized platform allows you to save up to 10 times more centralized hyperscale. I want to know how they do that. Um, so where, where, where are the tools, the actual mechanics? Um, yeah, so there, the, a lot of this stuff is conceptual. I want to get into the nuts and bolts of it. I want to know, um, I mean, I know they're using Cosmos and then Tendermint SDK, um, and they have a token built on it, I guess, to pay people for allowing them to use, uh, to be an edge node and to, um, it, you know, like an edge node, say, Theta token uh, uses, the Theta network uses the same principle that you, anybody can download the edge node and help run the, the decentralized video streaming. Um, uh, and I run it on my computer and uh, it eliminates the need for these large centralized um, content delivery networks. And this kind of falls along a similar type of example i can imagine that everybody can download their own net edge nodes and allow their computer to be able to contribute their computing power to the decentralized cloud computing network here and that seems to be what is uh going on here so uh, i'll dig a little deeper into this like i said this is my time in the morning to just explore a lot of these concepts and my time is uh past due i'm 36 minutes over um, anyway, uh, I, I was saying I was that same way with Web3 until today. Thanks for sharing this needed knowledge. Yeah, thank you for listening. And, uh, you know, thank you for tuning in. I, a lot of people don't really tune in in the mornings be, live because I just um, don't do it consistently and i don't really come on at any specific time uh but i'll put it up on youtube and thanks for the like as well um if you're listening on spotify give me a follow uh or on google play or whatever type of podcast network you're on um and uh yeah, man. Um, I'll talk to you guys probably tomorrow because I, I want to talk about freaks and guilds and in the NFT worlds and all that stuff that also is uh, putting all their NFT information up on the blockchain instead of just a hash representation of that information. So, yeah, I'm re getting really into that. You know, is is it a real NFT? Is, is it actually on the blockchain or is it just a hash of the NFT on the blockchain? You know, like that. those are important nuances and distinctions all right man uh well i will talk to you guys later and um yeah so uh oh wait. welcome to eureka street right. this is my okay. thank you for making it to the end of this program if you actually like this content give a thumbs up and if you want to hear more just hit the subscribe button I'm available on YouTube, Odyssey, and BitChute, and on all the major podcasting platforms in audio version. Spotify specifically, if you would like to follow and leave a review, that would help a lot. I am also available on Twitter at EurekaJohn1, that's E-U-R-E-K-A John, J-O-H-N, and the number one. My DMs are always open. Feel free to shoot me a message. If you would like to donate some stablecoin or Ethereum, please feel free to send it to eurekajohn.crypto or eurekajohn.eth. This will help with the gas costs for all these protocols that I mess around with. Because that gas adds up and I ain't rich. Yet. Thanks again.